Hello, and welcome to another episode of Powerful Conversations. I am your host, Noed. And in this week's episode, we're going to talk about significant purpose. Stay tuned. Well, hello there. Thank you very much for tuning in on this episode seven, which is going to be titled Significant Purpose. And we are right now in the middle of August. Um, For those of you parents out there, totally get it. Just back to school, getting into the swing of things, which is one of the reasons why in the middle of August or the beginning of August, better yet, I didn't record an episode. Life just kind of got really busy, but it's just part of the season. You know, our kiddos grow and, you know, they go back to school. Um, I can't believe how quickly this summer 2022 has passed by, but that is just the way life is. But nonetheless, I'm very happy to be back, um, being able to record another one of these episodes. It is something that I love to do, especially because, you know, I'll be in my prayer room and essentially what I have done, I have a, like a small walk-in closet. Um, essentially the location where I live has a his and hers closet. The hers closet is a of course, being like a pretty big closet in his, you know, you can still walk in it, but not as big. Well, there currently is no his um, in our home. There is no mister in the home. So the his closet was empty, which was a perfect location for a prayer room. It is a room where, you know, I, I have to go in it, you know, especially the leader as the leader of the home before I start my day before I start with my chores, before I, before I face the day. Yeah, let's just leave it at that. It is very important that I go into that prayer room because I need God's strength. I need his wisdom. I need to spend time with our creator. As soon as I open my eyes, it's like, good morning, God. You know, it's acknowledging him first above all things. Um, and different things happen in the prayer room. Sometimes I just sit there in silence and that's okay too. And sometimes, you know, I'll just only read or sometimes I'll only cry. (laughs) So, but I digress. Either way, the point is that a lot of the times I'm reading some of these stories when I'm in the prayer room and it's like, oh my goodness, this is insane. I feel like I'm watching a soap opera or for you Latinos, a novela. And it's almost like, this is insane. How come we've never gone over the story at church? At least not me growing up. And it's like, I'm dying to share it with somebody. And that somebody, of course, is going to be you, the audience. So I'm very excited to get back to this. Now, what I'm thinking of trying, and I would appreciate if you all could bear with me and have a little bit of patience, is that instead of recording maybe these lengthy um episodes or longer episodes better yet because you know I try to keep them about 30 minutes or so just to not bore you to death um just make it a little bit easier for you to listen to while you're out and about maybe getting to and from an errand that sort of thing but I've I've considered perhaps sharing a shorter episode um where maybe maybe I'm just reading scripture because sometimes maybe that's what we need 
Um, or maybe I'm just hopping on to, which I don't like that term. Sorry, I use that. But, you know, where I essentially will record um, some type of encouraging, you know, just some type of encouragement, whether it's five, 10 minutes, just to still connect, be able to connect with you, the audience. And another thing, which please stay tuned, I'm going to be working on creating an email address, which I will be then providing not just um, via the episodes, but also placing it in the description of the plat in different platforms. I want to be able to communicate with y'all. So if that way, if I recorded an episode and you have follow up questions, you can email me there. If you have suggestions, like maybe you're reading the word and you're like, wow, this conversation will be great, will be a great one for us to discuss in one of the episodes, you can email me there. So stay tuned. I'm hoping to have this by the next episode ready to go. Just got to actually um, get to it. Um, but yeah, so these are some of the changes that are coming up. And I'm very excited. You know, this is, as I mentioned, if you've heard, if you've been here from the beginning and you've heard the introduction episode, I started this podcast because it was a nudge in my heart. It's something that I kept thinking about and kept thinking about. And it was just in my heart for a minute and knowing absolutely nothing about how to do, how to run a podcast, how to record a podcast episode. I still jumped into it. Nonetheless, that being said, the learning doesn't stop there. I have learned that you have to adjust and tweak what works, um, remove what doesn't and just kind of take it from there. So that's what we're doing here. I'm just working on some changes because I, I do, I do wish to connect with you, my dear audience. So, but that's it for the morning announcements. Just kidding. All right. So let's jump into the powerful conversation of this week. This one I'm going to have to split into. Now, this story had me like, <laughs> when I read it, I'm like, dude, they said, what? Who did what? But I feel like that is the case with most of these stories, especially the ones in the Old Testament. I am having a wonderful time discovering, or better yet, rediscovering some of these stories um, in the Old Testament, because as I've mentioned in prior episodes, I grew up in a Spanish-speaking home, only went to a Spanish-speaking church. Um, so when it comes down to the scripture and memorizing scripture and knowing the stories, I don't really know them in Spanish. So I'm relearning some of these names. I'm reading the word of God in English, it's kind of like a whole new rediscovery. It's like rediscovering or finding something you didn't realize it was there this whole time. So I'm having a lot of fun with that. But when it comes to the scripture this week, let's get to it. So this week's powerful conversation is going to be taken, taking place in the book of Numbers. It's towards the beginning of the Bible, chapter 16. And we're going to be reading verses 1 through 11, because episode 2 of this, we're, we're going to be discussing this next week um next week or next episode i should say we're gonna do chap verse 11 um and onward okay but for now let's do verses 
1 through 11. And as a reminder, I'm reading off of the New Living Translation. So if you have a different version, just keep in mind that it, it'll be a little different on your end. And that's okay too. And the scripture says as follows. One day, Korah, son of Izar, a descendant of Kodnath, or Kohath, son of Levi, conspired with Dathan and Abiram, the son of Eliab, and On, son of Peleth, from the tribe of Reuben. They incited a rebellion against Moses, along with 250 other leaders of the community, all prominent members of the assembly. They united against Moses and Aaron and said, You have gone too far. The whole community of Israel has been set apart by the Lord, and he is with all of us. What right do you have to act, though you are greater than the rest of the Lord's people? When Moses heard that they, what they were saying, he fell face down on the ground. Then he said to Korah and his followers, Tomorrow morning the Lord will show us who belongs to him and who is holy. The Lord will allow only those who he selects to enter his own presence. Korah, you and all your followers must prepare your incense burners. Light fires in them tomorrow and burn incense before the Lord. Then we will see whom the Lord chooses as his holy one. You Levites are the ones who have gone too far. Then Moses spoke again to Korah. Now listen, you Levites. Does it seem insignificant to you that the God of Israel has chosen you from among all of the community of Israel to be near him so you can serve in the Lord's tabernacle and stand before the people to minister to them? Korah, since he, he has already given this special ministry to you and your fellow Levites, are you now demanding the priesthood as well? The Lord is the one Lord, the Lord is the one you and your followers are already revolting against. For who is Aaron that you are complaining about him? All right. So as we can see here in verses one and two, we start with Korah along with Dathan and Abiram. They are Levites. So essentially they are the folks that are ministering, you know, what we know as, you know, temple or tabernacle in this case. Uh, what we would consider to be, um, let's say, the worship team. So essentially, they were working in the tabernacle, serving the people, being before the Lord. Like that was their task. And obviously, there were some things that went into it, you know, some tasks that they had to do. But the folks from the tribe of the Levites, um, they were selected. Now, I wouldn't, I don't know if it's a fun fact, but. Yeah, interesting fact, I guess I should say, is that the Levites were the one tribe in the Bible that they didn't get a selected region of the promised land. Um, they, they didn't get a piece of it. So, but their job was to serve before the Lord forevermore. Like they were selected to do that. Um, and some people may see that as a burden, like, oh, Goodness, I, I know that was my first instinct personally. Like, oh, how come they didn't get a piece of land, a plot of land here? Well, everybody else did. Um, but no, it's, think about it, it's a great privilege. Like, they got the opportunity, they were chosen, they were selected to serve before the Lord. No other tribe got it. But 
Here we have Korah that, along with Dathan and Abiram, these Levites who, they were conspiring. And I've discussed this in prior episodes where conversations, we can, and we say this at the end of every show, you know, we can build or destroy worlds one conversation at a time. So we got to make them count. And in this case, Korah, he started up a conversation but this was a conversation essentially for destruction. This was a conversation that led Dathan and Abiram to down the wrong path. Now, they, they from there went ahead and influenced, as we just read, 250 prominent leaders in the community. So this wasn't just the, the little old neighbor next door. This wasn't just you know, Susie, Susie from down the block. These were prominent leaders that somehow they were able to influence. And I can imagine the amount of effort that it must have taken to go around and and talk and scheme and essentially just work your way through the minds of these leaders. Again, these are leaders prominent in the community in order for you to convince them that, yo, Moses is not a good leader. We need to get rid of Moses. We need to, you know, we need to be done with him. We need to be done with Aaron. Like if you think about it, that's a whole lot of gossiping going on. And I think this is probably the next top level, a little bit worse than gossiping because this is a conspiracy. And this takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of time. But obviously they were of enough influence that they got to 250 leaders. Um, Think about that. Picture 250 folks, all of them being leaders. So if you're a churchgoer, picture one person going around convincing all the pastors, convincing all of the different ministry leaders, the youth leader, the children's ministry leader, um, the worship leader, like just kind of picturing that. Yeah, that's what Cora was doing. So it, it just really was not a good look. It This was, I mean, I marveled at the fact that he had such influence because again, in one of the prior episodes, I think it was episode six, we talked about the power of influence. We all have the power to influence people. But the question is, how do we use that power to influence people? And on the other side of things, we too get influence. So what type of influences are we receiving? And just guarding ourselves to it because, you know, as leaders in our home, we are very susceptible to outside influences and vice versa. We can influence our children, influence um, our nieces and nephews and neighbors and cousins and friends and all that stuff. So we have to be really careful in how we handle the power of influence. But as we could tell here, Cora was, I don't know what came over him or what was his deal with Moses? Like what brought this upon, like what brought this up? But he clearly was over Moses. Like he just didn't see him as an adequate leader. He was over him. And then from there, in verse three, Korah has the audacity to bring accusations towards Moses. 
Now it says, as we just read, that they united against Moses and Aaron and said, you have gone too far. The whole community of Israel has been set apart by the Lord and he is with all of us. What right do you have to act as though you are greater than the rest of the Lord's people? And one of the things that first grabs my attention is the fact that here we have these folks who are placing themselves or trying to point out or trying to essentially convince Moses or I guess I convince, I don't know who, that, okay, we are in the right. They acknowledge and start saying, Israel, we are chosen, God's chosen people, all of us. Okay, Cora, got it. You're you're right. But now he's like, we are in the right. He's with all of us. How dare you act like your rest and the Lord's people? And just to pause it there, that's not to say that it is okay to hold leaders accountable. Because sometimes we do. Um, hold them accountable, especially when they are not living out what they are preaching. So if, for instance, um, you have a supervisor that's continuously demanding that people be on time, but he or she is never on time. And that's just to put it in a, in a petty context. Um, it is okay to hold leaders accountable. But in this case, he was, in my opinion, he was judging not just Moses' leadership, he was judging Moses' hearts, intentions, and attitudes. Because he's like, "You, how did? What right do you have to act as though you are greater than the rest of the Lord's people?" And part of me is like, "Well, how so? Like, I wish there was more follow up to this. Like, well, what do you mean? Give me an example. How?" How is Moses acting like he better than everybody? Because sometimes folks are just minding their business, being great leaders, um, doing their thing. They are growing emotionally. They're doing the work. They're, they're in a, they're becoming emotionally mature and disciplined in their craft. Like, you know, there are folks that sometimes we're just moving forward in life, but some people out of a place of their own insecurity will automatically say, well, why do you think you're acting like you're better than the rest of us? And it's not that the person that's improving and moving forward in life is acting in an arrogant manner or behaving in a way that, you know, that isn't humble. It is just the person observing that, observing their progress, observing, observing their growth automatically then gets very self-conscious and starts to speak from a area of insecurity. So we also need to be careful with this because, you know, we all go through, and I, I dare say we all, because I know I, I, I do too. Well, you could be in your own lane. You could be minding your business, right? God has a purpose for you and, and you're in, you're in your lane, but then you kind of, start comparing like, Oh, Ooh, I'm not where so-and-so is. And you know, it, there's something about our, our human minds that we go into that place. And then we start going into getting, you know, having feelings of inadequacy almost, but 
that's when we really need to be careful in steering ourselves back into our lane. Um, but yeah, in this case, Cora and these people, they're accusing, they're, they're accusing Moses of thinking he's all that. Now, did Moses walk with an assertiveness? Maybe, maybe he did act like he was all that. I, I don't know that. But to me, it's, they're not bringing up specifics, um, as to, hey, you're, this happened. We have an issue with it. No, this is not, we're judging his character. And Moses' reaction, I, I wish I was like, like I could see it because it says on verse four that when Moses heard what they were saying, he fell face down on the ground. That lets me know that the words, the accusations really hurt him, really affected him, really shook him to his core because he fell to the ground. Can you imagine that? Imagine leading people, whether it's your own kids, whether it's family, whether it's a team at work, whether it's a ministry at church, whether it's a book club, whether, you know, it's a biker's club, painting, whatever it may be, whoever, whomever it is that you're leading for them to, for them to bring such accusations to you and you knowing that from the bottom of your heart, you were doing this with pure intentions. You were, you didn't want to lead them in the first place because Moses didn't want to lead them in the first place, but he moved forward in obedience. But for them, those people to then judge your heart and your intent and question your intentions, that must have really hurt because a leader, especially leaders who, leaders at church, leaders who are genuinely there because they love the people Guess what? They take a personal it, and it's like when you have a love for the people of God, you do that. You, I, I can't even explain. You try to see people the way the Father sees people, and for said people to to question your integrity, it can be painful. So, if you recently been, if your intentions recently have been questioned and you know deep down inside and you've done some reflecting deep down inside you know that you know what my intentions were pure it, they weren't out of selfishness or whatever it is okay to fall to the ground it is okay to be hurt it is okay to feel the feelings acknowledge the hurt because we are humans after all but it is important to note here that in verse four, even though Moses fell face down on the ground, it, the word here doesn't say for how long, didn't say if he sobbed, but within the context of one verse, he went from, hey, I'm on the ground face down to, all right, we're about to take action, which is an important thing to note. It is okay to take a moment to process feelings and emotions, but then we got to move on at some point. We have to move towards a resolution, move towards action that can lead us to to fixing things and lead us to a, in a positive direction. If you've ever read the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah, you know, he heard about what happened to his town, to his people. 
he broke down, sobbed, cried, felt all his feelings, and then got up and got to it. David, when his son was ill, he had an infant, right? We same we don't know. He had an infant who was really ill. He fasted, he prayed, he he broke down. But then at some point he moved on. You know, sometimes we get so stuck in our past hurt that that's just where we live. And as long as you continue to live there, there is no moving forward. So I encourage you to, to try to move forward. Do things. It doesn't mean that we forget about it. doesn't mean that that pain isn't there because I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure this is not something Moses forgot about. For your people for leaders, prominent leaders in the community to have incited a rebellion against you. That's not something you forget. So, yeah, it, it's not that there's expectation of forgetting what happened, but we have to move towards a resolution, even if it's for you, not the other people. And I promise you, this is something I know all too well. Um just kind of sidetrack here. I tend to forgive rather easily. I'm the type of person who can pretty much see both sides. Like I'll see a person who did something terrible or speak in such a terrible ill man, ill manner and be like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. They are hurt. They, you know, they're just frustrated. They're not mad at me per se. They're just mad at the situation. Um, like, I will find ways not to justify the person, but to understand the action, like what's behind the action and tend to be pretty forgiving because of that. But I think the one time, one thing that I think I know, the one thing I have tend to have an issue with is when somebody intentionally hurts you, like they do it, they do it with the intent of pushing your buttons. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't that they misspoke. Like, they said what they said. They did what they did to hurt you. And then on top of that, don't even feel sorry. Don't ever apologize. Like there is no repentance behind it. I personally have such a hard time moving on from that situation. And like, I know I'm supposed to forgive, but you're, you're not even sorry. You're not even acknowledging what you did. But guess what? You have to move on. There has to be a resolution and in moving forward, because we cannot grow if we get stuck in the place of hurt. We just can't acknowledge your feelings, acknowledge your frustration. Like in my case, I've had to acknowledge this person because yeah, it's been one person who, who did that. This person may never recognize ever they, the hurt that they cause how they led me to a place of brokenness. They may never acknowledge it, but I'm not crazy. I know it happened. Okay. I know thing X, Y, and C was said and X, Y, and Z was done, but feelings have been acknowledged and we're moving onward because I need to be a vessel ready for God to do what he is going to do in my life. Now, will God take care of what was done? Absolutely, because God is a fair God. He is a just God and he'll handle it. Now, I can't tell God how to do it. 
I can't take matters into my own hand, but God's going to take care of it. And we'll see more on this later in this passage, but I digress here. So as we can tell, Moses decides to move on and tells Korah, hey, in verse six, Korah, you and all your followers must prepare your incense burners, light fires in them tomorrow and burn incense before the Lord. Then we will see whom the Lord chooses as his holy one. You Levites are the ones who have gone too far. So in trying to figure out like what was, you know, I know what incense is, you know, at least from <laughs> in modern times and in, in seeing it at the store. Um, but back in the heyday, um, it really was a combination of certain ingredients, spices, that sort of thing that you would just light up and it would provide a fragrant aroma and fill the air. And this is something that the Levites used to have to do. This is part of their routine. And they did so before the Lord um, in studying as to well, what was the reason behind it. So there's like some scholars say that it's because it's in order to protect the priests from the presence of God. Because sin cannot abide in the presence of God, period. He is such a holy God. Sin cannot be present. It just cannot be in his presence. It just can't. So having this incense burning was like a way to essentially cleanse the air in a way. Um, other scholars say that it was an offering. This is just like a fragrant aroma. Let's bring an offering before the Lord. So, nonetheless, Moses gives instruction to these people. It's almost like, bet, see you tomorrow, up the block, three o'clock. Um, that's, that's what, that's kind of what I pictured when he, when I'm reading this. Like, bet, tomorrow, incense, at dawn. I don't know. But Moses is clearly very upset because after the instructions, you are the ones, he's like, you leave it to the ones who have gone too far. Like, he is clearly upset. But then he says something so profound in verse nine, nine, that it is a question, which is kind of where the subject of this episode came about, where it said, does it seem insignificant to you that the God of Israel has chosen you from among the com all of the community of Israel to be near him so you can serve him in the Lord's tabernacle and stand before the people to minister to them? And I love that Moses takes a moment to point out at his intentions. And like I think Moses finally understood the reason behind Korah's rebellion. Somebody wanted to be a leader. Somebody wanted the leadership position that Moses had. And Moses, like he knew it. He just knew it. And then he pointed out at the significance of being a Levite. Like, for somebody to point out the significance in your role that you, that is so important, that you maybe don't see it as important, that can, that can be very shocking. Because so many, I mean, it's so easy, again, to always diminish ourselves and view other roles as higher than 
um, like, oh, I would love to be a supervisor, being a leader, being etc. And not that there's anything wrong with that. And that doesn't mean that you can't be a supervisor or that you shouldn't be at some point or a leader. But there is also great significance in being in the role that you're on, that you're in at the moment. So, for instance, and I remember the days when I used to be a stay-at-home mom, that people used to make remarks. This was many years ago. I would say maybe as far back as 2013. People used to make remarks like, oh, you don't work. <laughs> Excuse me. When little do they know is or understand is the importance of the role that God had called me to do for that season in life, which was, guess what? To take care of my children who are the future generation. They are future leaders. You know, like Mary Jesus' mother. Is she the star of the story? No. Was she a prominent leader in the community and having this huge ministry? No. But there was huge significance in what God had chosen for her to do, which was raise baby Jesus. That's huge. And wherever God has placed you, wherever God has placed you, my dear listeners, please know that there is significance significance in where he has placed you don't ever let anybody put you down in the position that you have don't ever let anybody diminish the importance of what it is you're currently doing at all and by the way the word significant it means sufficiently great meaning that it is great enough it doesn't mean we're going to be in that position forever because God promotes, God expands our territory. He is a God of promotion, but we have to see the significance in the role that we have today. Wherever he's placed us, we have to appreciate it. And it may not feel good in the moment. Not at all. Not at all. And just even thinking about, I've been with the same company at work, um, the same employer for few years since yeah a little bit over six since 2016 and i've never been a supervisor or anything like that which i've never had an interest in being a supervisor um but that's just a whole other conversation because managing people can be a lot um however even though at the moment even though at times it hasn't felt good to be you know, under somebody's wing or leadership or being subservient to a leader. Guess what? I've had to view, view, view the beauty and the significance and the purpose of the role that I'm in. Because that role, God has used it tremendously to equip me. Equip me and develop skills in me that I didn't even realize I needed equip, equipping in. Because even though these are skills that I gained at work, in today's time, I'm seeing, oh, I'm using this outside of work in ministry. I'm using these skills. Now that I'm a single mom running a household, these skills are coming into play. These skills, I can see the significance of the role that I had even two years ago. 
So please understand that when God has placed you somewhere, it may not always be fun. It may not always be joyous and, you know, walk in his purpose, though. Walk, walk in his timing, have communication with God, be led by him. But know that you are chosen and that is enough. Literally, it is enough. It's sufficiently great. It is sufficiently important. So please understand that you are enough. Your precision, your role. So in this case, Moses is asking Cora a rhetorical question. Does this seem insignificant to you? That God has chosen you from among all the community of Israel to be near him. Being cho- as I mentioned earlier, yeah, the Levites, you know, at a first glance, it's like, oh goodness, they didn't get a plot of land. They didn't, they didn't get a piece of the promised land. And for most people like, oh, we, we spent all this time in the desert for us to come over here and not get a piece of land. Well, guess what? It is not insignificant to have been chosen to be near God and to serve in the Lord's tabernacle and stand before the people to minister. But at the end of verse 10, Moses mentioned, are you now demanding the priesthood as well? And this tends to happen a lot. Um, and we'll bring it into the context of church, of the church realm. Um, there's so many components into church. There's, you know, there's people who are ushers. There's people who take care of the kids. There's people, you know, there's all kinds of positions within a church. Um, and some folks, especially ones who are not super shy, can tend to aspire to be preachers and leaders, essentially folks who are on platforms, like literal platforms, who are preaching on Sundays, who are, you know, who who are on camera, who are, you know, who are visible to the eye. And sometimes those folks, instead of, you know, like sometimes those folks, that's, that's what they see as significance. And that's what they come after when God perhaps has to start you in a whole different area. I personally have recently had to go through this journey myself. I've always been, I'm going to say always, but when it comes to ministering in church, I've sang in so many worship teams for years, for years. Like I've done this since I would say my teens. Like that is just something I grew up in church, like literally growing up in church. And last February, I auditioned to be part of the worship team and it wasn't God's timing. First of all, I bombed the audition. <laughs> I, I did. And I feel like like that was God's perfect timing and it was his will because God wasn't done working with me in, in certain areas. He He had to, first of all, humble me because I'm here like, oh yeah, I'm about to get in. I'm, I'm about to be up there. And it's like, no, 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 ma'am. We, we need to sit you down. We need to, you didn't get it in. You didn't get in. And I was... I took it graciously. I was open to feedback. Like I knew I had bombed the audition. Like I just knew when I got the call, I just knew it. I had done that bad. And I was so nervous. Like I wasn't put together. But God used that. God used that in a way where that hurt and that (laughs) throughout the last couple of months, because this happened February of this year, y'all. This happened February of this year. 
since February, God has taken me to places and trusting him like, hey, God, I acknowledge my feelings. This doesn't feel very good, but let your will be done. And it turns out looking back at it, I was not ready. My schedule was not ready. I wasn't mentally ready. I wasn't spiritually ready. My skill set was not ready. God had to really finish some healing in me, which continues to work on some healing in me. In addition to that, had to get me closer to him, had to break shells that I didn't even know were there, where I've gotten a lot of, oh my goodness, you don't seem like somebody who's been through this much hurt. Yeah, no, because God has done tremendous work in my life. Um, he continues to break me out, out of that shell. So it is okay. We don't all need to be up there on platforms. Um, and where God has led me, I just have to crack up because I, I always say children are not my ministry. I love my children dearly. I love my niece. I love my nephew. Like, these are the children that have stolen my heart. Um, would take care of them any day, any time. Like, I love them to pieces. But outside of those four kids, my two kids, my niece and my nephew, I don't really work with other people's kids. Like, I just don't ever feel like that's my calling or whatnot. But God has led me now to a season where I'm now partaking in a middle school ministry not teaching the middle schoolers per se, more on a administrative capacity, implementing those skills that I have learned that I've talked about before. But it's God's timing. And had I not been in connection with God, I would have been like, nah, that's like, that's not for me. That's not for me. And I would have missed out. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. But I'm enjoying the journey and open to whatever God has for me through this journey. So if you are attending church and you may be like, I need to be on that platform, know that perhaps not really. Maybe one day if that's what God has for you, but it is okay to work behind the scenes. There is great significance in that. Even if it's like, hey, I'm going to be supporting a leader. Because leaders need a need a lot of support. Um, leaders tend to do a lot by themselves. There's a saying that says, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Listen, the weight of the responsibility of the posting is, it can be very heavy. So please understand that if you are in a position that is, you're not visible you're working behind the scenes. People don't necessarily see what you are doing. Know that there is significance, meaning there is sufficiently great importance to what you are doing. Supporting a leader, supporting a ministry, there's enough value in that. And in this case, Cora did not, even though he's, I mean, the Levites was a pretty huge role to have. Um, but he didn't appreciate, he didn't see the significance in his position. So he was now coveting the priesthood. He wanted to be front and center. But on verse 11, and this is to conclude, he got, um, Moses mentions, Hey, the Lord is the one, is the one you and your followers are really revolting against. So 
it just comes to show that when we are upset about the position God has placed us in, we're complaining about God. We're questioning his ability and knowing what he's doing and knowing exactly what he's doing. Like, you really think that that's what you should be doing, God? No. Who are we to say such a thing? So let's stop questioning God's purpose in our life and trust the process. I, I can't say this enough. The key to it all is to trust that process. Be before the throne every day. It doesn't have to be some, be some major prayer. Just like, God, guide me in everything I do. You know, a position comes up to work from uh, at work, which happened recently where my boss is like, no, why um, you've been at this for um, six months. You know, you qualify to move up in positions. Sure. I'm going to inquire. Sure. I'm going to research. But as I'm doing that, I'm literally clicking the buttons at, at, at the screen and the database at work of available roles saying, God, lead me where, where you want me to go. Is it even time to move to another precision? Lead my lead my steps. Guide me to where it is you want to guide me. Uh, and as I mentioned, even at church, because for a while there, I'm like, I know, it, again, in a non-pretentious way, I have so many skills that I could bring to the table. God, I want to serve. I want to serve you, but I also want to I want to serve you and I also want to serve within your house. Lord, lead me to the right ministry. Lord, lead me to the right path. Lord, lead me to the right leader you want me to support. So it's just having that conversation and being open. Not just asking God to guide you, but being open to being led by him. So that is that is my bit for today. I know that we, we went long here, but... um. I hope you were blessed with this and I hope that that you take time to ponder and take time to appreciate what God has chosen for you. And as always, you know, it's important to have great conversation, not just with God about your purpose, but also with yourself and other people. And an important lesson as well is when others are inciting a rebellion, it is okay to not partake, even if 250 other leaders are like, yeah, let's do it. It's okay to stand your ground. It's okay to not go with what's popular and what everybody else is doing. Just just follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. But with that said, I will conclude. It was a pleasure bringing this episode to you, this powerful conversation. And remember, we can build or destroy worlds with conversations. So let's make them count.